0: Hi, this is Dean Leacock, and you are listening to the Fulham Focus Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Fulham Focus Podcast. My name is Morgan Counton, and I am delighted to be you a very upbeat edition of the show as we look back on Saturday's stunning win up at Old Trafford. Our first victory up there since 2003 and one which saw the latest Premier League goals scored by an away side up there since they started recording that sort of thing. Something which I'm sure would have made the long journey home south even more painful for the United fans. Joining me to look back at this fantastic and let's face it, thoroughly deserved result plus a look ahead to our match against Brighton as well as a chat about this new fan advisory board thing are Matt Arter and direct from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania Matt Baldwin. So without further ado... Let's crack on with the show. Fulham. All right, gents. Lovely to see you. It's been a while. Um, I think we can all say that was uh, a bloody brilliant game was that there really, wasn't it? I mean, let's... Uh, Baldo, you've travelled furthest for this podcast. Give us your thoughts thoughts on this. <laughs>
1: Travel, travel Furthest yes I had to travel a whole thirty minutes across town to the bulldog pub in Pittsburgh which if anyone's ever here go for it however it is the official home of the Manchester United supporters brand Pittsburgh edition so I was very much in the you know minority uh, no what's the phrase a fly a fly yeah minority I was gonna say a fly in a fly in a glass of milk sort of thing me and my me and my wife actually went along and yeah it was absolutely brilliant like the may United fans were <laughs> as obnoxious as they are back in the UK, which was um, good to good to see they keep up that level of reputation. But yeah, just being able to watch that whole game unfold in the way that it did and being able to celebrate in the stunned silence of about 35 or so Manchester United fans. Absolutely, absolutely brilliant. And, you know, it wasn't like we, you know, uh, poop-housed our way to victory. We thoroughly deserve that, which made the whole thing even better.
0: I mean, you could tell you've been in the states too long when you use the term "poop house" instead of "shit house." When you realize this is not going out on family-friendly TV, I forget but, what the rules
1: are. I haven't been on this thing for so long; I forget what the rules are. In regards to no, there
0: are no rules. Uh, you know, just poop house. <laughs> I
1: don't know. I, it was the third first, It was the first, first time I said, "Okay." It was the shit house thing. I, 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 I forgot what the rules were. family-friendly All right,
0: careful. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I, I assume at no point did they. Well, actually, no. I can't assume this because it's very possible they would have done after maguire equalized they didn't crack out a rendition of uh we believe that we can win did they
1: no they did no they did not however i will give them credit they did sing they do they are knowledgeable of the harry maguire song the um he drinks the vodka he drinks the jaeger i think the one that the england fans have started to go off so i give right. them i give them credit for that they actually do have some decent songs
0: okay so they've stolen the k-max song and, yeah basically uh, yeah <laughs> fine uh right Stato uh in slightly uh well actually no probably more salubrious than Pittsburgh uh Margate uh what uh what did you think of the result or well, what did you think of the game well yeah well, you know Ma- uh,
2: Margate you know it's uh it's it's where all the Manchester United season tickets are from it's, it's their local area you know, <laughs> down in the south um I I both I'm both loving and hating this season so far um just when I thought I was just done with Fulham for the year, because you know our season's done, we're going to meander along to a mid-table finish, we just pull off a result like this just out of nowhere. It's, it, we're we're so bipolar at the moment. It's 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 I, I can't manage. But um what a performance from 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 the team Um from the get go. We were the team on top. We had all the we had all the chances. You know, you watch you look back at the highlights on Match of the Day or on YouTube. All the highlights are just us. There's nothing United did. And this is at Old Trafford. This is, <laughs> you know, growing up, for me, it was always United winning everything kind of um, Fergie and Old Trafford was his fortress. And I know that a lot of teams have won there since, but for us to come there and actually get a win, especially after all the other games in recent memory that we played against United, all those last-minute, you know, annoying goals, from, you know, the one from Ganacho earlier in the season, obviously the FA Cup shenanigans last year, to actually put a performance in, be the better team and get the win just made it all the more better. And in Fergie time as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, th- we we do laugh at how bad United have got over the last few years. But we also have to remember they won the last four league games. They were coming to this in great form. And we went up there and we played them off the park. I mean, we were by far the better team. And... You know, the fact that they conceded, uh, they scored after 89 minutes was a bit of a kick in the teeth, but we thoroughly deserved that win. Um, but uh, we'll get on to the goals in a bit. But should Maguire have even been on the pitch when, you know, when, you know at the time he scored? I mean, his challenge on Lukic in, in any other game could well have been a red. I mean, you've listened to the, uh, the match of the day pundits and they all agreed that it wasn't, um, which the fact that all three of them agreed it wasn't uh, was slightly. Um, Uh, contentious, let's call it that, because in the Brighton game, uh, going on at the same time, Billy Gilmore got sent off for a challenge that was essentially identical to it. So, Bordo, when you saw it, um, like when you first see it, it looks like a rash challenge, and in this day and age, it looks like it could be a red. When you see it in slow motion, you see where his studs go, they're up, they are, you know, right near the ankle. It kind of looks like a sort of... uh, it just looks like a red card in this day and age. But what did you think about it?
1: It did. I thought when I first saw the tackle, obviously again in real time I thought a yellow card. I can understand the referee giving the yellow card to start with. The issue then comes with, and again, this is something that um again, it may not have been it may have been brushed over on the match of the day or whatever highlights you get. What interact or intervention did VAR have? Did they Check it and say, no, you're fine. Or did they not check it at all? Again, depending on what commentary and what footage you get, you don't know. But the fact that it then didn't go to the stage of at least the referee going over to check the screen, that's when you have to think, OK, right, something's, something's not quite right here. Especially with, as you say, the Billy Gilmore tackle. In this day, In this day and age, you would think upon giving a referee a chance to look at it, that, they, that he would give a, that he would give a red card. So like, I, I'm fine with the yellow card to begin with, but the fact that it wasn't then upgraded to a red at some point—that's why you've got to say right. So Against, I mean, is not right there. Whether it was a communication thing or whether the referees said no, we're fine with it. Something's not quite right there.
2: I think personally, I slightly disagree to an extent. I think the challenge itself. Because it wasn't quite on the ankle, it was at the foot, and it was a bad challenge. But because it was that low down, I don't think it warranted a red card. Having said that, had the referee given a red card for that, which he could have easily done, as shown in the Brighton game, and as you know, that is the issue we're having with inconsistencies at the moment. Had he shown a red card, I don't think VAR would have overturned that. It's one of those where. It was a bad challenge, but not enough to overturn the original decision that the referee gave, which in this instance was a yellow card.
0: Yeah, and I think you the fact that it wasn't above the ankle, it was very close to it, but it wasn't above it, I think is what saved Maguire in that instance. But I mean they would have been they would have been looked at. They're, everything's looked at. And I think, uh, regardless of whether you think VAR gets everything right or wrong, uh, it obviously doesn't get everything right, as we've seen in recent times. But they do check everything, it would seem. And it has to be a clear and obvious error, as they always use the term. I just it just looked rash to me. The fact he went straight through him studs up, and I guess you know they don't give you know different players different rules, but the fact that Maguire is a centre back. And he went in like that, that was essentially a strikers challenge.
2: Yeah, yeah. And I think the clear and obvious bit is the bit that is worth looking at. I think the fact that it was a yellow card, I don't think there's a clear and obvious error there to turn it over to a red card. I'm I'm not trying to defend United to Maguire here, but I'm No, you I'm are no, it's fine. I've <laughs> got a it's secret fun. United shirt underneath my hoodie at the moment. Um, <laughs> but I think had we had it been given the other way around, we would have been livid that it would have been given us a red card. Um, side note, the fact that we would have been an away team at Old Trafford probably would have been a red card, but hey, we we won't go into big club bias.
0: No, let's, let's yeah, we we can, uh, I think we need to leave that there, but obviously it would have been a red card to uh, Poligno if he'd gone in with like that. Uh, but, you know, that was a small blight on what was an otherwise uh, glorious day. So looking at the, in the first half, or just generally our play Throughout the game, our counter-attacking was completely on point through the whole match. And the fact that we couldn't quite put the ball in the net was frustrating. Uh, it's fairly standard for what we've seen this season. But the performances uh, by some of these players out there... I mean, let's look at the team. And We had to make six... Well, we made six changes. Uh, obviously, Pelina was enforced. William was enforced as well because he went off with a hamstring issue, I think it was. And... Lukic coming in we all i think we can all agree that he's been underwhelming since he came in from Torino thought that perhaps it was uh in a matter of him bedding in the season but he's been kept out of the team and uh when he came in for this one i can't say i had many high hopes but i mean bold i mean he he completely proved everyone wrong didn't he with his performance he played that box to box midfielder role that we expected him to play when he moved over
1: he did, yeah. Again, he's not quite the same midfielder as, or type of midfielder as Jaapolini yeah, is, but, you know, he's obviously just, you know, on a team sheet, rather. is taking up his role, but, yeah, he just did incredible, whether or not this was him trying to, you know, the fact that it was maybe at Old Trafford, maybe this is the team he supported as a boy, maybe he's, no, you know, this is going to be his one chance to, because his, his future has been in doubt over, you know, in January, I think it was. So maybe there was that element of, oh, well, I need to put in a big performance. If I can do it against Man United, maybe I can get a move to them or maybe get a move to some other team. Yeah, he really, really did step up in a way that when he's been asked to fill in for Palinho or other midfielders previously, he just hasn't. Again, whether it's just, you know, something just clicked in him, I don't know. But if that's if that's the player that we're going to get moving forward, then, you know, then long may it continue. But I'm not as much. I'm glad that it did happen. We need to see whether or not he's able to replicate this moving forward before I start saying, "Oh yeah, he's worth." You know, he's he is the next big thing.
0: Well, I mean, if you speak to you know, uh, they know that he's not. He isn't a Polina type player. <clears throat> you know, he might be in the same build as Polina, but he is not a holding midfielder. He is very much the number eight role whereas person number six. So I think uh, you know Reed was filling in uh, in Polina's position. And uh, Lukic was very much in the Tom Kearney or Harrison Reed role that's been, you know, mostly used this season. So I think maybe just gave him a bit of a lease of life to go and have a bit of fun with it. There's we go up to Old Trafford, there's not really a huge amount of pressure because we're not expected to win. And the fact that it's taken us twenty one years since our last win up there, shows that, you know, it's it's a very difficult place for us to go historically as well as, you know, just generally. And I think maybe it was just like, he just relaxed a bit. Um, I mean, Stato, I mean, you must've thought, you know, looking at him in this game, he was just a bit of a changed player, really.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I think a lot of that came down to the midfield partnership that complemented him. When Harrison Reed, You mentioned it, that he was more in the six and he was in the eight and it was kind of resembled more of um, a double pivot. I'm going to use that phrase. I'm going to use that term. Um, don't know what it means, but carry on. You know, it's essentially that you have those two midfielders taking turns, doing the job. One goes forward, one stays back. And when we have Pelinia and, and Sarge, you know, Sarge points this out in the group chat a lot of the time, Pelinia, because he's such a high-level defensive midfielder, he can do that job on his own, which frees up, you know, he can play Kearney, or, you know, read in more of that number eight world to get forward a lot more with Pereira in front of them. But in the absence of Pelinho, we're now having to play two midfielders more in that defensive position. But That worked really well with the midfield players that we've got with Reed and Lukic, who do like getting forward. But at the same time, they had the intelligence to sit back as well. And that partnership really complemented Lukic. And it's a good headache to have when Pelinho comes back because... As good as Pina is, no one's no one's no one's undroppable. I mean, he's very close to undroppable. I'd expect him to go straight back in the team because of how good he is and the quality he brings. But it poses big questions of you know, can Lukic then play alongside him in that number eight position? You know, Reed's playing well, Kenny's playing well. We have four very high-functioning midfielders at the moment who each have their own different quality and attributes, and it's about finding that right combination. Depending on what opponents we're playing, and it's a, it's a it's a good problem to have.
0: I think you'll probably see. It depends on how Lukic plays against Brighton, because undoubtedly it'll be uh, maybe not an unchanged team, but there won't be many wholesale changes to it. Well, <clears throat> excuse me, but if he sort of if he's playing the number eight role again, and reads filling in for uh, Plinia for his last game of his ban, then more than likely we'll see a Plinia Lukic partnership for the next game after that. And hopefully, I mean that's the partnership we kind of all envisaged at the beginning of the season, wasn't it? I mean, we just thought Lukic was going to kick on, we would have Pelina there, and all be well. It hasn't worked.
2: Silver alluded to it in his um, pre-match conference, where he said that Lukic started the season well, and he did that Arsenal game at the Emirates. He played very, very well. And then he picked up an unfortunate injury and then he just hasn't got going since then. And, you know, he's gone down in the picking order. So it's really good to see that when his chances come around again, as it has and as it did on Saturday, he took it and he took it really well.
0: Which I think, you know, we're all delighted to see, really, because that means you know, going towards the end of the season to have another midfielder who's got a bit of confidence about him. And hopefully it's not just a, you know, one game wonder situation, but hopefully... He could bring that form into the rest of the season. And, you know, obviously, if he wants to stay over the summer. He's on a long contract. So there's no reason why we couldn't see him again next season if he's cemented his place in the back end of this one. And another player who's obviously come in and done very well lately is Rodrigo Muniz. And obviously, he started up front on his own again. Uh, Armando Broglie has not exactly had a chance since he came in, which at this rate, it looks like we might end up paying Chelsea 4 million quid for him to sit on the bench. Which, fair enough, if it's uh, given Rodrigo a bit of a boost and got him playing well, then four million well spent. But it's, I think we're all a bit surprised, really, of how Muniz has sort of gone from being, let's face it, a bit rubbish to really showing the confidence needed to be a Premier League striker. And again, this time round, some of his hold-up play, some of his passing, and his movement was, you know, very Mitro-esque, For the better term, I mean, Baldo. What did you think of his performance generally? I mean, obviously, he didn't score, but he hit the post and caused problems.
1: I think. It, I think it was literally the the only thing missing from the game, or from his game, was a goal. I give like you. If no, if it weren't for that, you probably want to give him like a ten out of ten, for instance. But as it were, you probably want to give him like an eight point five to nine. But yeah, it's it is stunning because, as you said, he was rubbish and you know seen as maybe a, a necessary sacrifice in in the January transfer win. I know there was reports about him going, and I don't think many Fulham fans would have been would have been that upset if it's like okay, yeah, we're getting Brozier in. Who's got to move? Uh, Munez goes, I think. A lot of people would have been fine by that, so yeah, the fact that he's you no know, starting to build a little bit, uh, a game like this will be will be great for his confidence, and now he can sort of look to you know Raúl Jiménez and, and Breyer and say, no, nope, this is my spot. You guys, you guys have to come and get it. And I dare dare I say, I mean, he's still he's still not Mitrovic and he's still not someone that I would want to have leading the line for a full Premier League season. He's he's still not, but. Given the way that the season has gone, I, I don't see any reason to drop him. I mean, we're not in a European fight. We're not in a relegation fight, but who knows if he keeps this on, then maybe he can take a claim for something next season. I, I wouldn't be any... No, I'm, I'm in no mood to drop him right now, even with the whole year and Jimenez situation, for instance.
2: I mean, so a, a couple of things for me here. Number one, uh when deadline day passed, I put Brojo in my fantasy football team, in the expectation that hey, here's a new striker looking to prove something, he's gonna score some goals. And I haven't been able to take him out yet because of me transfers in other areas. So that's annoyed me a little bit. But two, more importantly, <laughs> is the important. The reasons Rodrigo, <laughs> it's the critical reasons, yeah. you know. I've got a game to play, I've got a I've got a strategy and it's not working out. <laughs> um but the you know, because of that, we're seeing the Rodrigo muniz do I want to say, do I want to say revival? Do I want to say coming of age? Um, I don't know because I, the re- I look the reincarnation, at the reincarnation, I, I, the coming of. I, I don't know. Um, because you look back at Muniz's career at Fulham and <laughs> we signed him, so <laughs> you start laughing. Then, <laughs> come on, be professional. Coming of. <laughs> we're being professional here. <laughs> um, so I saw him. You know, we we look back to the start of his career, and he was this um, young, young Brazilian lad that we bought in. Who's going to be Mitro's backup in, our, in the championship season, and he fulfilled that role perfectly when Mitro was, was was absent. Munas came along, and he actually scored in you know most games he started in, in the championship. You know, I remember he scored that brace against Stoke and uh, I can't remember what. Reading, I think he, he scored was, against Reading. Scored against Blackburn in that in in the in the yeah, big yeah. win there um so he was scoring goals and it's like okay this is, this is a good backup to have and then we got to the premier league and there was the acceptance that he needs game time so let's loan him to the championship and that's what we did he went to middlesbrough and at that point it didn't work out at all uh for whatever reason michael carrick didn't like him and he he didn't play at all and we just thought oh he uh, he's gonna be a bit of a dud then that's that and then this season's come around when we sold metro and suddenly Moon is our number two or number three striker because we had Vinny at the time. And so how we got to this point. Uh, why how was our striking options Moon is? And then at some point he was starting because we thought he was the it was the best option we had because him wasn't firing and Vinny was rubbish. And we thought that uh, he he looked he looks he had something, you know, he ran around, he made himself look busy, but we didn't think the quality was there. And we're now you know and that was kind of the generally accepted fact about Muniz that he's he's good, but he's still very raw, there's nothing there and then suddenly we're here now and he's our main striker because Jimenez is out injured, because Vinny's gone sure has come in but it made sense to start Muniz because you know Silver always has that kind of um, mantra that when you come into the team you don't just walk into the starting level, you've got to earn your place, you see that with a lot of our signings, that they don't just go straight in barring injury or, or you know a lack of players and yeah ever since then Moonis has been absolutely sensational he's getting better and better i'm hoping this isn't just a purple patch you know i'm hoping that this is actually that potential that we're seeing now and you know strikers they live off goals as soon as he got that one go against burnley that gave him all the confidence to just crack on and keep going and improving and like, like Baldo said we're, we're in the nice phase now where we're not we're not in a relegation battle
0: i don't think we are anyway no i think i think we i think that win on saturday kind of gets us out of that that uh, potential problem um although what with everton's points uh def- um reduction being reduced uh, deduction being reduced <clears throat> maybe it brings us a little bit into it but i think no. i think we're 12 points clear um we're of fine. 18th so i think yeah, we're on, we're
2: on 32 points with, you know, with 12 games to play. I, I'd like to think we're fine. And we might, you know, there could be a sniff for 7th place, but probably unlikely. So we're in that nice period now where we can try and experiment a few things in the Premier League, you know, not just Muniz. Give a few kids a go, no, maybe. No, no, let's not, no, no, let's
0: no, no, let's not, let's not start no, this game again. No, no, <laughs> just towards the end,
2: you know, like, you know, <laughs> we're getting to April and May time and we're just coasting along. Give, you know, start you know, just dipping dipping our toes in there. But Moon is a key example of that, where he is that player where he's not quite youth academy. He's not well, he's not youth academy at all, but he's still young enough, and we're giving him minutes now, minutes in the Premier League for a good Premier League team like us is valuable experience that he can build on for next season and potentially become you know a really good, exciting player for us.
0: Well, I what, I'm, what I'm, I must uh, stipulate that I don't I'm not against the kids playing. It's the fact that getting thrown in for the sake of being thrown in. Uh, situation and I think um we've seen a few of them appear on the bench lately and I think it would be good you know be, uh, getting them in the first team is great but I don't think we should be playing uh kids just because we can I think no, yeah, would, we need yeah. to try and get as many points on the board as possible because obviously the more places you play a higher uh, higher position you finish the more money you get and you know if we finish a place and Mark, higher, and
2: Marco silver knows that no, oh, exactly. he's very good at integrating youth at the right moments, you saw what he did with Carvalho, what he's doing with um, Figros, and what he will potentially do with Stansfield and Harris next year.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, obviously, that's well, yet to be seen, be. and hopefully, Marco still be here because you never know. What yeah, he will somewhere. be, he will be. Well, will uh, be. you know, see what happens in the summer. He uh, might not be allowed to sign everyone that he wants or anyone. Well, you know, yeah. hope, hopefully, the performance
2: <laughs> at Old Trafford hasn't, you know piqued Ineas's interest, and in, you know, yeah, there we go. Um, you can still say under the radar, which you will,
0: but he will. then, uh, just moving on to sort of another two players that came into the uh, uh, lineup, um, are returning super eagles, fresh back from AFCON and a runners up medal. Uh, I mean, two brilliant performances by Bassi and Awobi, really, and both getting on the score sheet. Uh, I mean, what can you say about them, really? I mean, they're just, I mean. I'll give it to Bassi. Uh, we've seen Awobi's goal over and over again. Bassi's finish, fair play. I mean, that is a poacher's finish, really. Just flung his leg at that. and almost too, went Weak fit as well. Was it, oh yeah, it was, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think when Bassi joined the club, I think we would just say, okay, we've heard he's a good, decent player, but, you know, is he going to be much good this season? I think he's been brilliant. Whenever he's played this season, I mean, Baldo, is like when you, you see a defender like that, especially one who's only what, he's like
1: 23, something like that,
0: give or take. And I think he's just, he's, as long as he doesn't get poached by a a so-called big team, I think we've got a sort of a long-term solid defender in our hands.
1: I th- I think we do. I think it's been one of my things is we need to start moving on from the the trusted elder statements. You know, as much as I do like Tim Ream, his his time has gone. Not 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 gone, but it, it's coming to an end. Same with William And I think yes, well done. You've done good for us. We need to start looking looking and moving forward. And I think Calvin Bassey, as you said, is that guy. You I mean with his age, he can be with us for five, six, five, six, seven years, and you know, lock down that you know that one spot. At centre back, we still need to try work out the other one, whether or not uh Tosin or uh, Issa Dio is gonna be that one, or maybe someone else. But at least we've got one defender in that position, or one player rather in that position, that we think at least we can rely on to be, you know, to be reliable for a club, you know, for a club of our size. It wasn't it wasn't necessarily a desperation purchase but you know for a club that's aiming to be sort of middle of the premier league and maybe pushing up Calvin Bassi for what we paid for him was was a pretty good was a pretty good move and he's starting to share that again bad thing that he had to go off for the african cup nations which is the african cup nations still every 2 years or is it every 4 yes. years <clears> yes yeah, it every- it's every
0: like 2 years and it's also they, I know that a few years ago and this is pre covid they actually attempted to move it to the summer for one tournament and then they moved it back to January again. Because so I think, because sure. I think they
1: realised if you I put it,
2: it varies on the host country. I think. Right. Okay.
1: But, but yeah, yeah, but it's
2: yeah. a big continent, lots of different climates. But even so,
1: it's still something that every two years. it's still something every two years we're going to have to figure out something that oh he's going to be out, he's not going to be with us for a couple of weeks. Um, so there is always that risk and danger, you know, whenever you sign any African player. But in terms of what he's given us, fantastic. And again, if if all we're doing is missing out for for. If we get the rest of the performances like that, then then by all means, go for it. No, go for him. It's no different to being injured. But yeah, as long as he's with us, then keep playing like that and we're golden.
0: The thing is, you can't really um, uh, have too much bad things to say about them going off for AFCON because if it was uh, the other way around and we were trying to get players for the Euros of the World Cup, uh, (laughs) it's like, we we want our players. And as a, you know... Uh, as a player, you want to play for your nation, so I think yeah, the fact yeah, they get I agree. The I final, agree. obviously, it was di- obviously it was disappointing for them that they didn't win it, but I think to get all the way to the final, I imagine it would have been you know a great time for them as well. Um, and from those two points points of view, it giving them a the time to sort of you know, bond outside of the club uh, uh, side as well, I think that's pretty. You know, I think it's just an all round good thing. Yes, we didn't we missed them for sure, and uh, it would have been better if they were there. But, but if what maybe. you're getting
1: back in return is what we're getting back, then that's all fine. I mean, like Liverpool with Mo Salah, yeah, yeah they miss him for a month every two years, but he's argu- arguably one of the best goal scorers they've ever had. So you can you can you can you can negotiate that and you'd be fine with it. A bit like Calvin Bassey. yeah, we're going to be missing him for a month, but if he plays like that, if he plays like Breda-Hangland, then sure, go for it.
0: Yeah, uh, and then obviously Alex think he's come in this season, and I think. He's one of those players that you hear good things about from here, you know, from the clubs. Well, like the Everton fans were saying that he was a good player for them. But he's still tarnished by his time at Arsenal and by the fact that he cost 35 million for, <clears throat> or whatever it was, for Everton to buy him. But he's come in and he has been a cracking signing for us. And I think Saturday really just drummed home how important he is for us uh, in our style of play and how good a player he is. And I think, you know, Stato, Yeah, you know, I mean, when he signed, did you think this is a, an overrated player, or do you think he could add something to it? Um, I absolutely thought he would be an
2: overrated player. Um, I remember Fulham Focus alumni, alumno, uh, Matt Dom, who is very critical of very, <laughs> lots of transfers and Fulham players alike. Um, Dom, if you're listening, we love you. Um, that he was a big voice of Alex Roby. What an overrated player. He's going to be awful. And I was kind of in that camp a little bit because I've never seen anything amazing from him at Everton or Arsenal. But I'm so happy to be proved wrong because he has been absolutely phenomenal. And what I really loved about Saturday is that our attack showed that there are life, there is life without Willian. Because for a lot of this year, Willian's been our sole creative outlet and we've kind of been reliant on him. And he the fact that he wasn't in the team, but we were still so good going forward and creating those counter-attacks. And a lot of that came through Owobi. That, I want to say, partnership that he has with Andreas, where they kind of, they interplay. Sometimes one's in the 10, one's out wide, then the other one combines around. And I think even at some points um, during the game, Wilson was getting involved in that. There was just like an ever-changing front three that United just couldn't handle because they, they were just they, they didn't know who was who would be playing where it's just clicked so smoothly. And I don't think it's any coincidence that now I is back. We've suddenly put in one of our performances of the season and it's all hinged on him. And just kind of the movements he makes, the, the runs, the, the, the runs he makes on the ball. He's, he's a weird player in that he does a lot of stuff unconventionally. Like he's not, I'm not saying he's not a skillful player. Cause he's a very skillful player, a very, very skillful, but he just does it outside of the norm. And it works so well for the game that he has to play in the position he has to play for us, and it's really exciting now that he is back for the foreseeable for the rest of the season. And it's funny; a few weeks ago, our squad was just bare bones. You know that during the Carabao Cup, during those league games where we just couldn't get a win, you looked at the bench; we had nothing. You know, our two wingers were uh, Deco, Dover, Reed, and William. We had no one else available, and suddenly everyone's back. Everyone's available. Our squad looks really good and we have all these options now suddenly and it could create a really exciting end of the season for us.
0: Well, I guess uh, another one who's uh, come back into the last couple of games and set up, well, he made a Wobi's goal, Adama Traore, or as uh, Gentleman Jin called him, Amanda Traore. Uh, <laughs> so he will now forever be known as Amanda. He got the ball in halfway in our half and just took off. You could see old Slabhead running after him. and it was lucky he didn't have a heart attack by the time he got back to the other end. It was it's
2: one of the fa- my favourite things ever, just watching him it was sail past Maguire.
0: <laughs> and just watching Maguire try and catch up, but you just couldn't. When, when you've got the ball, you're automatically a little bit slower. So yeah. I would love to see them in a foot race without a ball because <laughs> it'd be I a mean, hundred metres by about ten seconds, I reckon. But it was just it was glorious to watch and you could see it it was just the forlorn look on Maguire's face mm-hmm. after that goal went in because you knew he'd just been absolutely done. And mm-hmm. I mean a Wobie's finish was yeah, it was ice cold, wasn't it? I mean he gave yeah. an of the eyes and he didn't even move. Which I think made it even better, because when a goalkeeper doesn't move, especially when it's like a last-minute winner, as well, it just somehow makes it even sweeter. Because you just look at, you just know the fans looking it, he's like, why the fuck did he just dive? <laughs> just like- it was, it, it was so
2: weird. Apparently on Five Live, um, they were saying that Onana should have done better, and it's like that's absolutely not true. Um, that was a really good finish from a Welby. What was also quite weird is it hit the camera behind the goal, so you didn't actually see the net yes. bulge. You just kind of bounced. I out. thought the I thought the exact same thing. And it created that split second where it's like, did that go in? Did it go? What?
1: Yeah. Is that go? Yeah, a goal? I did. I, I didn't <laughs> cheer until I saw it wobe until like the carwaver over of a, of a wobe running away. Yeah, because you just thought yeah. it just hit. Like it went wide and hit the like the advertising audience the, the back. Yeah, you couldn't yeah. tell. Yeah. No,
0: it was uh, it was it was quite a surreal moment uh, when that went in. Uh, for, you know, so many reasons. And I think, you know, you, we look at uh, one of those uh, interesting facts that comes up. Uh, we've played there over the last 61 years now. Uh, we've only won three times. 1963, 2003, so 40-year gap. Uh, 2003 was my first year at uni, and I'm going to be 40 next month. I mean, that's that feels like a long gap between wins. I've done a lot of terrible things in that time between wins and you know now 21 years later so maybe we've only got to wait another 10 years until our next win
1: I'm just trying to think this one only came off the top of my head do we now have a better record at Old Trafford than we do at Goodison Park
0: no because we won the last three at.
1: so we've two. won three but we never won a good. so it's still three wins at Old Trafford and three wins at Goodison Park and a draw then what's our record and our, our other bogey ground is Turf more, oh, yeah, isn't down. it
0: yeah, we haven't won the we haven't won there since nineteen fifty one.
1: So we have a better record at Old Trafford than we do at Turf Moor.
0: Look, let's just basically <laughs> the north west of England just needs to be avoided at all costs. For football and otherwise. So yeah, it's uh, we just stay away from there. We're alright in the other parts of the world. Just northwest we have it's a little bit of a bogey place. We don't exactly do well at Liverpool either, do we? So
1: No. That's a good point. Maybe
0: yeah, if just, maybe if the maybe the scousers get their wish and they become a rep- republic, they can start their own league.
1: Yeah, kick, yeah, like yeah the, keep the, the Scouts. Keep of the speaking
2: of um, speaking of northwest teams, really random fact that I found on Twitter afterwards is that former Stockport County manager Jim Gannon was in the Fulham crowd watching that game. Don't know why, <laughs> don't know what the reason, but I just saw the tweet that he was in the away crowd celebrating is, with us. Is he?
0: Is he a Fulham fan or is he a, like a? Maybe he's a Liverpool or a Leeds fan and just wants to be uh, in the away uh, section man new for all games. Who knows, but just a random fact. Well, I, I know that um, there was quite a lot of... Uh, I mean, obviously, I think there's been quite a few videos coming out of the various United uh, fan... What do you call them? Watchalongs? Vlogs? Yeah, you watchalongs, know, I think, Bridge is the official S- term, yeah. Things. I mean, A... Who the fuck does that? Who watches someone watching the game that they can't even see? I mean, it's not like Soccer Saturday where you're getting like analysis from all the games. You literally could just be watching the Man U game and, you know, listening to commentators rather than these slightly hyper sugar ingesting people that are sort of commentating on these games that you can't see. But they're just, they're all going mad, which is even funnier. But then you get a few people saying, oh, United's XG was better. Now, our faithful colleague at Fulham Focus, Kish, also known as Cottage Tactico, even he pointed out that Fulham were better. Yes, XG was, you know, in favour of United. They offer ten minutes of intensity, and most of the XG was down to Harry Maguire.
1: Because that was from cause that was from two yards out. So you'd expect that yeah. to be in the nineties or whatever.
0: Yeah. So I mean, in this case, As, you know, a lot of cases, XG means shit all. But in this one, United had nothing for most of the game. And they just say, oh, but XG was better. It's like, did you watch the game? Did you? No? Okay, fine. Uh, So, yeah, when our in-house tactic king says that XG doesn't matter in this case, I think we'll go with that. So, happy days. I think any any further thoughts on that game because, you know, it was one of those games that will live long in the memory. You know, we'll uh, we'll look back on this in a few years ago. That's the away. That's the game where we won in the ninety seventh minute at United, uh, despite conceding a last minute equaliser. So, Baldo, last my, thoughts on United.
1: My only thought is I don't want to see people being too harsh on Bert Leno. Cause I saw a lot of people coming in for criticizing him for the way he handled their their equalizer. But he made some absolutely fantastic saves before that. So he more he more than made up for he more than made up for his error in that. I mean, again, it didn't matter because we still won in the end. But I don't want people piling in on Bert Leno and saying, Oh yeah, this is the reason we want Marek Rodak back or we need another keeper or whatever. He did very well in the game before that, so don't put it down on him on just that one moment.
0: No,
2: agree. It's, it was it wasn't even a goalkeeping mistake. I would say when the shot came in, there was McTominay running in front of him. He was almost anticipating McTominay to take a touch. It didn't, and then even when you got a, stri- a player running in front of you like that to then try and catch that or parry that away, he's only human. I know he's got really good reaction times because he's a professional footballer, but they're not that good. So and he still managed to save it. It was just unfortunate that it happened. So I don't, I wouldn't put that down to a goalkeeping error at all.
0: No, and I think you know. Leno's allowed the odd mistake here and there. He's made a couple this season. I don't think we need to worry about it. He's still one of the best number ones we've had in our time in the Premier League, and as long as he's with us for the next few years, I'm happy. I don't think you know. You get as you say, it wasn't a mistake as such. It was just unfortunate that he parried it, and Maguire happened to be, and yeah, I mean he was probably trying to sprint to get back to his own area, but he'd only got about two yards from the touchline at that point. So you know. It was what it was, but had he not equalised, we wouldn't have had this glorious moment. So all's well that ends well. Um, Right, so we've spoken about United game. It was brilliant. It's one of those games that we can look back on in in the future and raise a smile at the darkest of times, uh, which I'm sure we'll go through at some point. But for now, all is uh, light and sun, I think. And what have we got next week? We have Brighton at home on Saturday, and now obviously we have a very good record against Brighton recently. They, you know, they're, they're in seventh place. They're having an all right season. They score a lot. They concede a lot. Has Deserby Ball been found out? Have they just got a bit knackered from so many European games? It could be one thing or another. But they, you know, they don't do well at our place. No. Uh you know, we even we even beat them with Ranieri as manager. With their bogey team. They, they've they've never beaten us yeah. in the Premier League. And they're gonna be missing Billy Gilmore, because obviously he's suspended. Gonna be missing Kara Matuma. because um, I think he's injured after that challenge at Sheffield United, isn't
2: he? <laughs> or the whole gate karate kick.
0: Yeah, <laughs> the one that uh he, he it was shocking that he was sent off for, yeah. apparently, <laughs> according to uh, Sander Burge or whoever it was. Obviously we'll be missing uh Pelina still, but we have uh born-again Lukic and uh, just a team of absolute worldies, obviously. Uh, Aldo, tell me, how do you think this game's going to pan
1: out? My one fear about this game is that there's, there's, there might be that level of come down after such a great moment for the team is, right, how do you... is, like, the just the elation of everything just brings everything down. It's like, how do you follow that? That's my main concern is, yes... After that great result, do we just, uh, oh, yeah, all the energy's been drained out, and all of a sudden we, we can't show up, we can't show up against Brighton. I think that is a real worry. But with all the points that you sort of said, like I'm I'm confident going into this game. Yes, they are not quite the they they are still doing very good, but they're not quite the the world beaters and the model football club that everyone says they were like last year, for instance. They are a team. They are a team that can that can be got, and so long as. You know there's no stupid injuries, or again we don't have that mental that mental come down from the week. We should be able to at least give them a good game, and if this bogey thing does continue to be a thing, then then yeah, a win. No, then I, I I can at least see us getting a draw. At least I, I I no, I'm not I'm not putting us down for a loss in this game in any way,
0: shape. Or I mean, they have got the FA Cup on uh, Wednesday away at Wolves as well so you know they could and i doubt they'll be playing a weakened team for that although they do have uh, europa league uh, playoffs the uh, the week after so maybe they will be doing a bit of rotation that uh, game i assume they'll be playing a full strength team against us um stato do you see you know history repeating itself or do you think brighton will come out uh, with a bit of a, a bit of a desire to try and turn turn over this record that they've got against us um I think what's really nice for us now is
2: because of the position we're in. We spoke about it earlier. Pressure's off us. You know, we, we don't, we are mid-table mediocrity at the moment. And that's a good thing
3: because
2: there is Love no a bit pressure. Of mid-table, Love it. It's been too long for us. Let's be honest. It's just been promotion, relegation, then a really good Premier League last year. A little 13th, 12th maybe even 11th place finish would go down a tree it would for this year Oof, you know Oof. Nice. something to build on some solid foundations there and i think because of that we don't have a precious thing you know we're gonna brighton are gonna come to us and everyone loves Brighton, and everyone loves deserve he's the next coming of guardiola he's you know the, the jesus reborn of brighton and all that jazz and <laughs> ev- all the hip he's he, you know
0: the, the, he's the hipster's choice. Yeah, he's the hipster's choice. Play. We used to be the hipster's yeah. choice back in the day, you know. Yeah, now he's the actual um, pundits'
2: choice, isn't he? Yeah, so. yeah. Um, so you know, they all, they, everyone loves them, and especially the XG crew as well. They all, they all love them, and that's fine. They can, they can come along and do that, but we have our game plan. Silver, you know, he knows what he's doing, and we haven't any pressure, so we can, we, we're going to turn up and we're going to give them a really good game of football, and. We're coming off the back of a big win against Old Trafford. Sure, there's that risk that it might against Old Trafford against Old Trafford. You know, (laughs) yeah, it's like pro evolution. (laughs) The mighty Old Trafford City. It's like pro evolution soccer. Man, (laughs) Red against West London Whites. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Um, And yeah, we're we're coming off the back of that. And there's a risk that there might be a giant come down, and we'll we'll, we'll lose. But then also there's there's also the very good chance that we're just going to continue the momentum now because we've suddenly got a really good squad we've got options we can change it up if it's not working we can you know adam is there we can bring him on we can bring we can bring bobby on we have glow hope we can give a start there's options then,
0: and there's almost and that's it isn't it we've got options yeah. and this, <clears throat> this is something we didn't have uh, just a few weeks ago now i don't know how bad william's injury is a uh, hamstring for a 35 year old is never great um, and i think it's one that he's had Recently as well, maybe. So maybe it's a bit of a reoccurrence. So hopefully he's not out for too long. But, you know, it's a situation where if he is out, we know that we've got replacements, which is great. So I think, you know, we we go into the game not worried about, um, you know, stro- uh, squad strength. As you say, you know, mid-table mediocrity, brilliant stuff. Um and you know we just I think we just need to play our game again. And whilst you know United have more possession than us, and we'll probably go into this game, assuming that we'll have you know more possession than Brighton, perhaps. Uh certainly take the game to them. But then we took the game to United, really, didn't we? And they came at us and we went straight back at them. Uh so especially the way Brighton play, I think it could look a bit like a basketball game, really, this time around. So hopefully you know, it's not like the games at the Amex where it's all a bit one sided until we snatch a goal and we actually do what we usually do to them at home. And hopefully we'll get a, a nice comfortable win. So two wins on the bounce, secure our place for next season and our expensive tickets. Absolutely. The last
2: time Brighton beat us at the cottage was in two thousand and seventeen. I've just looked this up. And uh, our team we we had you know, had Tim Ream, who's still there, Kearney still here. Uh, also had Ragnar Sigurdsson playing. Also had Sonia Luco, Lucas Piazzon, Matt Smith up top. Ooh, ooh. But more. also <laughs> interestingly, Brighton's team, there are so many fun connections from that team that beat us. Stockdale in goal, mm. Shane Duffy at the back, Legend. Ollie Norwood midfield, Anthony Knocker, <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, Tony Knocker's on the wing, oh. uh, and Steve Sidwell on the bench.
0: Wow. Was that when was that 2017? 2017, 2nd of January. Oh, wow. Uh, I mean that's that's a team and a half. I mean Knockart I just saw that he's uh, uh propping up Ligue 2 in France with Valenciennes played a few games. Clearly not set the world alight over there. Uh Shane Duffy he's contacting only fans models now apparently. Dingling. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh but I know, that's a uh, Where's Stockdale now? He's at uh, York City. Sheffield Wednesday. I think, no, was it was York City. Oh, no, I, think.
1: I thought David Stockdale. I thought I thought he hung on. Well, he went with York City. Yeah, Is he, he still playing? I don't
0: know. If, I, don't know how many I think he. Played, but... Yeah,
2: I think you're right because I think he went there because that's his like club or that's his hometown club and he's playing there. Well, that's where he started. Yeah, yeah. So he's gone back there yeah, he's,
0: before he went to Darlington. Yeah. Salary's
2: like irrelevant and he's just yeah. Yeah. At, th- at the grand old age of 38, it's a it's a good good innings for a keeper.
0: Yeah. Exactly. No, the boy uh, he's done well over the years. He's had an interesting career. Um he's on that uh Under the Kosh podcast, I think. Yeah, I think, was, was I think. on that one or is he, he was on certainly on one of those podcasts? Uh, I think it was Under podcasts. the Kosh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, he talks well about his various various uh, adventures. But yeah, okay, so do we uh either of you sort of envisage any changes to the team on Saturday, or do you see us just lining up in the same way as we did against United? Stato, don't change what's.
1: Don't change what's. Don't change what's not broken. So, say so Again, barring barring injury, training, or whatever. Yeah, stay. Stick with it.
2: Yeah, I think I largely agree. Um, you look at that eleven that played. You look at who who would you drop? Who would you change? Then you think maybe take out Wilson, bring Bobby on, or I would say does Adama deserve a start here? But probably not. His cameo appearances are part of what makes him such an asset because. You can just bring on that explosive strength in the second half against tiring legs. That's a big strength of his. Um, Defence, you leave unchanged. That midfield too of Lukic and Reed it works so well. Why would you want to change that? You don't drop Andreas and Iwobi because they work well together. And Muniz is playing really well up top. So, barring injury, you keep it as it is,
0: I think. Yeah, fully agree. I mean, say, Adama, Amanda, he... He Needs his time on the pitch obviously to get uh get the sharpness back as well, but he's an impact player that's exactly what he brings to us at the moment. You know, he might come back uh sharper next season, but right now he's very much the uh uh super sub. So I imagine it probably will be the same lineup as you said, barring any injuries, right? Okay, so that game is Saturday 3 p.m. Good old classic kickoff. off we've, we've had a um, lot of 3 p.m.
2: Saturday suddenly, goes to yeah. show. That mid-table mediocrity again. We're just Saturday 3
0: p.m. No one wants to watch us. <laughs> We're yeah, not worth the guy's time. Obviously, yeah, you can't see it on TV in the UK. Inverted commas. Um, <laughs> uh, right, so, stepping away from on the pitch, I wanted to talk about this, uh, the, this fan advisory board that the club is uh, putting together. Um, obviously there's been a lot of chatter recently about, uh, the Fulham supporters trust and are they, you know, are they being listened to, you know, does the club take them seriously? Is Ali Mack just looks at them like they're a bit of shit on his shoe, which I think he does with most things by the looks of it. He has that face, doesn't he? Yeah. So now we've got this, I think it's a premier league initiative, isn't it? To have fan engagement boards. Uh, fan engagement plans or whatever this this uh, you know they've got the people putting in applications now. Stato Baldo, have you put in an application to be on it yet? I have not. No,
1: no I was going to, but then I looked at some of the rules and I don't qualify. Otherwise, otherwise, I definitely would have. But I just
0: no. you look at it. Yeah, I get it. There's a the representatives from various you know parts of the the, the fandom. It's just going to be lip service, isn't it? To the club, I uh, it is a. I think the supporters trust they have done their best of late, and I know there's been a lot of derisory comments um, uh, on Twitter and whatnot about the impact they're having. But what can you do if you're dealing with a club who just won't listen? And I look at the uh, the minutes from each from each meeting and. You can you can sense the contempt in the answers from the the Fulham team, uh, Ali Max and the Darren Preston. A few of the other things. I mean, there are a couple of. I mean, let's uh, not get it wrong. There are some fantastic people behind the scenes at Fulham. Carmelo Nicola, they're they're lovely, lovely people. They do a fantastic job. But the upper echelons, they you know, they're running a Premier League team. They don't want to listen to these. People who try to tell them to, how to do their job, and so I think a fan advisory board clearly is the best thing for them because it shows that they're engaging with the uh, with the club in inverted commas. Um, but they will just unfortunately, I just feel there's going to be a lot of yes men and women on the uh, on on this thing. So, I mean, Baldo, do you see any uh, pros to this over a supporters' trust?
1: No, I think I think Star says it, that it's a box-ticking exercise. I think it is something that the Premier League want to do, so they're like contractually obliged to do it. But if it's something that's being set up by the by the club itself, you wonder how much you know how much truth to power you'll be that they will be able to say. And in the same way as the you know, how much the club are actually going to pay attention, because if they're not taking advice or are being very dismissive of an independent one. What are they going to do to one that they have set up themselves in this? And in the same way, you imagine that they are going to have a lot more power to. If there is one, if there is one person that ruffles the feathers too much, they can just say, "Right, we set this up. This is a thing. You, we don't want you anymore. We'll find someone else." I just, again, they have to do it. It's a Premier League thing, but in terms of what it's going to produce, I don't, I don't see anything. So it's just going to be the same as the the way that the supporters trust. Have been treated again. I don't want to put this on the Sports trust. They have done everything they can in their power to try and make some things happen, but it's just the way that the world is is going and the way the club is run. It's just not gonna. It's just not gonna make a difference. So I, you know, I applaud the FST for at least trying, but I think they're they've reached the end of the line in terms of in terms. I think they they need to
0: still be around. I don't. I don't think they should disband. Oh yeah, I'm I'm not saying
1: get rid of them. I just think. But I I think looking
0: at the last line. Of the application thing, I'm just reading at the moment. Club acting through the selection panel described below shall determine any applicants in its absolute discretion. I mean, what does that tell you? That they're going to just handpick people who won't cause a fuss. Um, they're not going to, you know, if you apply for it and you've said anything about them on Twitter, then you won't get on. Simple as that, unless you're, you know, said nothing but niceties about the club
2: i think what's quite a telling thing is okay the premier league's introducing this initiative where you need to have better fan engagement so if i was Fulham, i'd be like right okay the fulham supporters trust exists let's work you know more closely with them there's already a ready-made supporters trust there that can be our fan advisory board it makes sense to do that it's you don't need to set up anything new you just need to extend the olive branch a bit more and actually want to collaborate with them and be engaging with them the fact that they're not doing that is a very telling sign to me that yes they are just looking to recruit these yes men to do things in their own way so then when premier league or when people question what are they doing for the best of the fans they can get these yes men and they can back it up and be like well actually our fan advisory board are in favour of all these proposals and Mm. that's quite a worrying prospect and then the other thing as we mentioned the the FST they've, they've done a tremendous amount of work but they're doing everything within their power which unfortunately is not much power anymore there is little to no power they can only voice opinions and concerns but the club well, aren't this
0: listening. Is, this, we're a we're a Premier League team now, and as such, we are a business. You know, we're not a championship or you know, back in the day, Div One, no, Div Two, Div Three kind of team. They're, this goes beyond what we would class as your traditional football club now, because we are a money making venture for these people, and you don't. It's like you wouldn't go, you wouldn't have a an advisory board made up of uh, bank customers for Barclays or something like that. It's, it's kind of along those lines, really. They don't want to listen to the outside. Well, they want to carry on with their uh, ways of making money. And unfortunately, you know, we, the FST will get across or <clears throat> whoever it might be, will get across things like, uh, can someone, you know, put more toilet roll in the toilets, something like that. And they'll listen to that. Cause it's, again, it's a bit of lip service it's very cosmetic issues, but I don't think we're going to see anything of note change unless the club wants to change it. So whilst you know it's a good idea on the face of it to have these boards, I think, you know, they should have said to the trust, right, if we want to, going to work with you, then we want, you know, what they're stipulating in their, um, uh, in their requirements to be on the fan engagement board, you know, certainly like an international fan or, you know, uh, or, you know, diversity, this, that, and the other great. But the fact is the club wouldn't be appointing them, would they? They'd be voted in. So I think we know exactly where this is going to go. And I really hope this doesn't mean the end of the FST because I think they do offer an important role. And I think once the Khans move on, which inevitably they will do at some point, Um, it might be a time when the FSD can come back and have some say. But again, really depends on where the club goes over the next few years. I Uh, I think you're right in that we are a Premier club, we're a business now.
2: But there's so many better ways we can be doing things. You look at other Premier League clubs, Brighton are a great example. Their fan engagement is really good and they treat their fans well and it's it's just baffling to me that we're not doing the same, and we're always going to be a family club, but we're just not anymore we're not I don't know what our identity is anymore. we're not a family club. are we trying to be posh London day out Premier League football for tourists is that is that what they're going for and that's what it feels like and if so, that's just not sustainable like because inevitably we probably will at some point get relegated again. It's going to happen, be it in ten years, five years. And you, when that happens, you're going to lose fans. And the only way to retain fans or gain new fans is to be open and engaging, to be that family club. We're a London club. It's a very competitive market in London. There's so many other clubs around there. Not to mention that I made the joke earlier about South, people in the South support Man United. That happens as well. And if we want to have you know, a good fan base, a good solid fan base that can continue, you need to be open and accommodating. And we're just not at the moment.
0: No, I think over the last few months or something, Ali Mack has come out and just. There's something about him. He's become the pantomime villain almost of the whole scenario. Tony Khan, he's kind of, you know, taken the brunt of it in the past, but he doesn't really. I don't know how much say he has on day to day running. Ali Mack's clearly the sort of uh, the man who's charged with, you know, the business direction of the club and how it deals with the fans and stuff. And. He's just got clearly just got a lot of contempt for the fan base. And he just he oh, he's just I don't know. I can't say too much obviously, because... 'cause you You're know, right, but but
2: whatever. why does he have contempt? Why? I don't I don't get it. I don't understand. Oh, I don't think he
0: likes being told to it. He he's one of those he looks like the sort of uh guy who's just slimed his way to the top of a, a business, so, you know, sort of the brown nosing way of doing things. And I know he was at what was he, Man City? Yeah before. Yeah. But I don't know. Yeah. I can't. In he's got. I don't know. He's got the the character of a soggy tissue. Really, That's... he
2: he well, gives maybe... people the ick. Basically,
0: he, he he is. He is definitely the ick ick creator of our club. Um, so maybe if he was uh, you know kindly removed uh, without making a fuss, then we could bring someone else in. But I think at the end of the day. Our club it has owners and they have a direction in which they want to go. And he's just the man charged with doing it as his uh, overlords ask, tell, even. But I think that's, <clears throat> you know, let's move on from that. I mean, it's, this is definitely a a topic for the coming weeks, months. It will be interesting, certainly, to see how season tickets are priced in the, when the, Prices come out because undoubtedly they will come out soon when we know that we're definitely going to be in the Premier League next year. So uh, I'm sure that will create another uh, few arguments along the way. But right, lads, we're going to finish on something uh, a little bit more upbeat. Uh, we've recently been running a a favourite in-focus uh, part of the show. And this week, in honour of Alex Iwobi, we are doing favourite stoppage time goals. Uh, His goal was officially timed at 96 minutes and four seconds, which happens to be our latest ever Premier League winner on record. Uh, But How does it compare with other late Fulham goals? Uh, Three goals in particular continue to come up in responses from our listeners and ex-followers. We have Sean Davis' winner at Blackburn in the Tegana promotion season, which obviously goes down in folklore uh, and followed by that wonderful little dance by him. Um, we have the two goals with uh, well, the Dimansi-Kamara goal uh, against Man City that kept us up um, well, that helped keep us up in the great escape season and almost 50 years ago now bloody hell um, for those who were there stroke alive at the time uh, John Mitchell's injury time winner Against Birmingham in the FA Cup semi final, which took us to our only FA Cup final to date. So, I think for anyone who was there uh, at the time, that's one of those that will be burnt into their memory for the rest of their lives. Uh, But, Stato, come to you first. Have you got a favourite injury time?
2: I do, I do. But before I go into that, I do just want to, you know, talk back to that Kamara one again, because it brought back a lot of. Big flashbacks for me. You know, when that game happened, I think I would have been about thirteen or fourteen, and I remember that day so clearly. I remember um, that I knew that we could go, we could get relegated that day, and I was really sad. So I just went down to the park and played football with my mates instead, instead of watching the game. And then I came back home, and this. That uh, 2007, wasn't it? Or 2008? Uh, 2007, 2007 eight, and yeah. 8. So as a 13-year-old, I had a mobile phone, yes. But I had a hand-me-down Nokia phone, which, yes, it had internet. But I didn't use it. It was like the really crappy internet that you'd get... Pic- WAP. Yeah, you'd get like pixelated photos of women's boobs Wap, and stuff. which was yeah.
0: different from what WAP is these days. Yeah,
2: like you'd, you'd, get, you'd yeah. get little stuff like that and you couldn't check football scores so I had no idea what happened and then you know I I ran home and then went on Teletext three one six for Premier League scores and I just couldn't and I couldn't believe the score I couldn't believe that we had won 3-2 and then I looked at it I I digested it and saw that we were actually 2-0 down at one point and that we'd actually clawed back and got that last minute winner and then watching your match of the day that evening just you know I can. I remember it so clearly. just Murphy playing in that three ball into Kamara, him running on and just smashing it at the near post beating Joe Hart and seeing all the Fulham fans celebrate and that is what Limbs is by the way. That's proper football celebration Limbs that is. Just pure elation of that goal coming in and that was the spark that kind of kick-started our comeback. And for me, that was just one of the, the, the great goals. Um, the one I actually picked, um, I, want to, I, I want to look back to more Recentish ish seasons and it was the it was our promotion year under slav and the away day to middlesbrough where i remember that they had battered us pretty much and they were quite informed middlesbrough and i don't think this was the one that's this this wasn't the game that started the 23 game unbeaten one that was sunderland i
0: believe um was it? Or was that? No, the Sunderland was the game we
1: lost. No, we lost. We lost to Sun. We lost to Sunderland. I think it was the last game before Christmas, and then we the unbre- the unbeaten run yeah, started like then, Boxing yeah. Day.
2: Um, but it was quite early on, and yeah, we just got absolutely battered, and it's like oh, okay, we'll, we'll take a point, we'll take a nil-nil, and we'll, we'll move on. And then we just got that penalty in the last minute, and obviously we've had penalty rolls in recent years, but with Ollie Norwood. There was never any doubt with him. He just absolutely smashed it, just I think it was down the middle if I remember rightly. Um and that was just pure joy again, just to snatch a one nil like that in the last minute in those conditions. There's nothing better than an away day like that, up against it, and you just snatch the win, cheers for the three points, off you go home and
0: Well, especially when you're you have to travel all that way. Exactly. And it's yeah. a, a night game and it's well it's it's Middlesbrough as well, which is obviously you um, but you know sort of like you that's the place you want to go and get those last minute you know shit-house winners mm. and uh, yeah, there's nothing Baldo lesser. Baldo what about you what's your what's your favourite
1: um, I think the obvious one I think this is a bit of a thing it's, it's the obvious one is Demanticamara. Kamara and my sort of remembrance of that one was again because we were relegated at half time and I spent the second half Looking at all the teams in the championship and say, "Ah, oh, I'd want to go to that ground. I want to go to that ground." You know, who was coming up from League One? I want them. I don't want them. Sort of thing. So, and I think I got to Plymouth by the time Demanti Kamara scored the winner. So, at that point, it's had to scrap the whole thing. But in terms of my personal one, for me, it's Bobby Zamora against, uh, against Arsenal in 2011-12. and it's purely because I could not stand those Arsene Wenger teams, the Arsene Wenger that complained about physicality. And you know, if you breathed on them, that was oh no, you can't touch our players, all that nonsense. And again, I absolutely hated Arsene Wenger and those and those Arsen awesome teams. So to get a win in that situation, and again with Bobby Zamora, in what I don't remember the research, but that might have been one of his last goals for us before he went to before he went to QPI. It may have even been his. Oh, I don't I don't research that one.
0: much, so I'll take a word for it.
1: But I, th- but I just remember, because it would have been around January 2012 when he left on he left late in the winter. So it might have been his last one. But anyway, there's a different thing. But again, just the pure joy and elation in that moment that we'd beaten an Arsene Wenger team, who I can't stand, was just fantastic for me. Again, all worth it for, you know, on one of those cold winter nights by the cottage with the wind whipping in from the Thames. Absolutely worth every single minute of that freezing cold night.
0: Oh, uh, I think mine... I mean, mine... It, I I well whenever anyone asks me what my favorite game is I always come back to this one it was the Fulham 3 Spurs 2 at Loftus Road when we came back from 2-0 down at half time and I, the game was completely irrelevant it was you know mid season well you know whatever it was October game I think uh, at Loftus Road it wasn't even at the cottage you know it was uh, but it was just one of those games I just absolutely loved it it always sticks in my memory and uh, Sylvan Langwynski uh, you know, breaking through and smashing it past Ian Walker, I think it was. Um <clears throat> and it's just oh no, Casey Keller. In fact. And it almost tore the corrugated iron off the uh off the off the Loftus Road stands. But it, it completely sort of irrelevant in the grand scheme of Fulham history, but I still love that game. Um other stoppage time ones we've got Alex Dylan Stewart. They said Tom Kenny versus Leeds in twenty seventeen. Seeds a two all draw in that one. Uh, Kish and uh, Lewis. Uh, Seth laying on a plate for Mitro to beat Huddersfield in twenty eighteen um, to make up for that fight when uh, Mitro was about to take the penalty and our beloved AK forty seven thought he could do a better job, and as we all know, he could never do a good job. Um, apart from one game. um, and, uh, Cade, uh, said Eric Nevland seeing it at Reading in twenty two 2007, eight, uh, which was actually uh, a game I came back over from Australia for when well, specifically, but I was there and it was our first away win. So obviously me traveling 10,000 miles uh, was the reason for that one as well. Um, Jim says Mitra's header against Swansea. Uh, he was nearly, crocked in H5 due to excessive limb action. Be careful with that. Uh, Sam says two from the uh, same game. Sean Davidson Fecundo Sava netting at Middlesbrough when we are 2-0 down in injury time to nick an undeserved draw. The undeserved ones are always the best, aren't they? Um uh, Tristan uh are, uh in house Serb uh says uh what was it? I lost the what's the tweet now if anyone says anything that other than Udo uh, Udo Onwar, well, Udo Onwar, eh? I think you pronounced it. Uh, at home to Hull in 92, 93, when we were three nil down after 12 minutes, then they don't know ball. Uh, we drew that game three all, thanks to Udo's injury time equaliser. Um, Do we know what qualifies as uh, last
2: minute? Because last year's of Solomon's was the 88th minute. Wasn't injury? No, it's not last minute. It's not injury time, but you know, it's pretty yeah. late on. It's gonna be. It's gonna be after it ticks into the. It's 90 got to minutes. be in that when the injury time board yeah. goes up.
1: Yeah, that's what. Yeah, that's what got me because again, looking back on a couple of these, like Neverland against Birmingham, I assumed that was in it. No, that was in like the eighty-sixth minute. His one against Reading was like in the eighty-eighth. So I couldn't. So I couldn't include them. A lot of these goals that you think are injury time or later on still had a couple of minutes to go. Like I saw someone point out the the seventy-fifth like minute. That was in the eighty-second. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was way that was way before. I think people need to. Start working out what yeah again it has to be as you say ninety the base yeah. of the scoreboard has to have the injury time on it um, for it to count.
0: What was uh, the other one? When did when was Mitro's goal against Brentford in the three two? What in Babu's course? Yeah, uh,
2: that was only last year as well. <laughs> um.
1: Same. <laughs> Should know this, but it seems like an injury time. It, it
2: one. feels very injury time. again, or was, is, it, was it like eighty eighth minute? It was in the. Uh, that Hang was on. the 90th minute. Ooh. I don't think the board had gone up though.
1: Oh, so is that 89? Yeah, that's no, it. Exactly. Sort of yeah, exactly.
2: Needs a VAR review. The stars. When? When yeah, did the no, board sorry, go up?
0: Mitra. Yeah, sorry, Mitra. If you hadn't left the club, maybe yeah. we'd have given it to you. But no. <laughs> <laughs> All right, lads. Uh, if either of you got anything else to say? Any special special mentions? Um, I want to point out anything that's happened? That I don't know about. <laughs>
1: No, but I I've, no, I'm all You're talked out.
0: Great, which is a reality. Although um, well, I was just going to say that the Fulham.
1: Actually, no. What I will say, what I will say, it is good to have. I mean, this is no disrespect to our other podcast members, but it feels good to have the three of us back because we've been on the podcast for so. It feels like one of the good old days of. The Premier League season under under Slav and Claudio. Just, the good old days. I don't know. Just, I didn't yes, more yes, no, Back, from this back when
0: we were youth. You days, were yeah. still a young yeah, exactly. single man. I, you know, didn't have so many grey hairs. And stats. Exactly. exactly, exactly I used to provide but, stats. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. The good old day. I, I just, love, I just love this. It, it, it feels like a throwback. Oh, oh. All
0: right. Well, the throwback. I was actually going to say. Uh, I was going to sort of, uh, look back because I knew that Fulham under 21s were playing the Premier League International Cup quarter final against Everton today. Uh, but they lost three one, oh, wow. uh, so I, will, I can't. I'll say commiserations, I suppose. Congratulations then. Um, but no, it has been a, a lovely, lovely chat with you both, and uh, yeah. Hopefully, this time next week there can be another upbeat podcast discussing how we've just dismantled a uh, tragic Brighton uh, for the eighth time in a row, whatever it might be. Um, But thank you very much all for listening. Uh, Please uh, subscribe to our various channels and social media. And we look forward to welcoming you to another show very soon. Fulham.